The practice of being seen is about understanding who you really are and daring to share your truth with the world. This is a conversation with and for seekers, creators, and holders of transformation. We believe that stories shape relationships, and relationships shape stories. This is Rebecca Wong, relationship therapist and founder of Connectfulness. And this is Marisa Gowdy, writer and storytelling coach for Healers. And this is The Practice of Being Seen. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for help from a licensed mental health professional. Today, we're going to talk about resistance and Princess Leia. This is a topic that's been brewing for us for a while, ever since Carrie Fisher's untimely passing in late December. And then when those images of Princess Leia became such an iconic part of the Women's March that took place in January. Maybe you can picture what I'm talking about. There's a picture of a very young first movie, Carrie Fisher, holding a blaster, and it says, a woman's place is in the resistance. So my story goes long and deep with Princess Leia. Rebecca, what about you? Mm. I was about four years old when my father took me to see Empire Strikes Back. And because my middle name is Leah, I was Princess Leia. And I wore the buns in my hair, and I really identified with her. Absolutely. And in my case, I'm a couple years behind you, so I went to see Return of the Jedi and then became that girl in preschool who no longer had any other name besides Princess Leia. (laughs) Moms would call and ask if Princess Leia could come over to play because they had absolutely no idea what that little red-haired girl's name was. Oh, that's so sweet. She kind of became enmeshed with my identity for a lot of years. And then that gets more complicated as we get older, right? Yeah. What is it like to have a princess rebel as your role model? Mm. Well, what was it like for you? I think I forgot about her for a while, as you, you do. There's so many other characters that intervene. But there was something for me that it was part of the texture of my life, part of it was the fact that we know Princess Leia is unique in being an icon for women in that she's also an icon for men. And she perhaps plays a very different role in our peers' visions of their childhoods if you're a young man in that age. Because certainly I've heard many a story about um, who she was as the ultimate sex symbol for... I mean... (laughs) Because in Return of the Jedi, she wore that little metal bikini for Jabba the Hutt. She wore it for a lot of people, didn't she? (laughs) But, you know, I think as a young girl, that was also like an interesting, um, it was interesting to bear witness to that there were all these different sides of a woman. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that she was certainly a member of a boys club. I mean, now that the later films have had some really strong heroines. But back then, she was the only woman. Mm -hmm. And it was part of my own life path when I would often be the only girl hanging out with a bunch of guys. Mm -hmm. And knowing your Star Wars inside and out gave you a really interesting social currency and made you a cool kid, made you a cool girl. And um, there's as we're watching her reemerge, I'm wondering how that energy is being revived and transmuted 
in a lot of us. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I think we were attracted to Leia for a lot of different reasons. Some of it, for me, was the force behind her. I can't help but grin. You said the force. Did you mean I it like that? I did say the force, and I did mean it like that. But Good. I also meant the force of the resistance. Like, there's that... There's something powerful. There's something divine. Yeah. And there's something deeply human. Because what she brought to that role was this sarcasm that really rooted in to a reality that, I mean, the script is awful. And it's tough to say, but she made it work because she made that woman real. And then that allowed us to see, are you laughing at me? I'm not laughing at you. I have this happy hope you want to be your only hope. Yeah, that's not actually a good line. I hate to break it to us. It's just as you're talking about the script, that's where I went. I'm sorry. But one of the reasons that we believed it and accepted it was that she, as an actress, really made that work. Because that's oh, the yeah. thing we need to remember. She said it a too. lot better than I just did. <laughs> no offense, but don't quit your day job. Um, and that's what we need to remember, too, is as we're talking about character, we're also talking about the actress, because I think those two are really beautifully entwined. But um, just to return to thinking about the resistance and how she really embodied that and made it, as you said, divine. There was something really powerful and important about seeing a woman take on the roles that she did. She was a princess who needed to be saved, but she was so much more than that. And she became an integral part of saving the greater good. Yeah. And who doesn't want to think of themselves as both a princess and the hero, the heroine? I got shivers as you said that, because that's going to be a tough thing to admit, you know? I mean... How is that tough to admit, that you want to save others and you also kind of want to be saved? Because I am not a pretty girl. I am not a maiden fair. I am not a kitten stuck up in a tree somewhere. We need to remember that the little girls who grew up on Princess Leia went to college listening to Ani DeFranco. Yeah. And so she kicked the Leia princess stuff out of me because I felt like I needed to get rid of that princess in order to be strong. Mm. It's really hard for me to admit that I want, might want to be both. Okay, but if we're going to go there... Let's go there. All right. Buildings and bridges are made to bend in the wind. To withstand the world, that's what it takes. Mm. That gives us some serious permission to be both. Mm-hmm. And that's Ani. I know. Okay. I know. So that right there really points to evolution. Mm -hmm. That revolution or evolution? All the above. (laughs) All the above. Because I think you need your evolution to sit beside your revolution or else it's not going to work. They have to go together. That's the spirit of sacred activism. Mm. That's why resistance is and can be a very powerful concept that isn't just about throwing a tantrum in the streets. No, but it's also about how we live our lives every day. Ruth Bader Ginsburg says, I think I had a better balance, a better sense of proportions of what matters. I felt each part of my life gave me respite from the other. Permission to be both. Mm -hmm. So, both the mother 
and the up-and-coming lawyer, eventually the Supreme Court justice, Mm -hmm. both the princess and the hero. Mm -hmm. What are our boths right now? We're talking about being out on the street. We're talking about protest. And we're talking about holding a dream and a vision for our children, our lives, our country, and resisting the story that doesn't fit that dream. And we're holding that idea of wanting peace to be peaceful creatures Mm -hmm. and knowing that there are also times when resistance and speaking up doesn't feel peaceful, even if it's in the service of a greater vision of people who get along and take care of one another. Okay, I'm going to back us up for a minute. Yeah. And I'm going to direct us in a slightly different way. Because pretty much everybody who's listening to this podcast, mostly, at some point in their life, has been a teenager, an adolescent. Which is a time when, developmentally, your job is to be the resistance. Right. Right? That is how you learn about the world. You learn through the lens of your parents, you learn to see their world. And then as you're becoming an adult, your job is to test all of that, to test everything. To achieve some sort of healthy separation, right? To achieve some healthy separation in order to individuate. Right. 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 The purpose is to, to go from being adjoined to becoming a unique individual who has a good sense of themselves in the world. And sometimes the only way you develop that sense of self is to push and resist on all the other stuff. And so in some way, regardless of your political thought, every single one of us has experienced resistance in some way or another. So when you're talking about resistance being a very natural part of human development. Yeah. That gets me thinking about this sense of growing up as a culture. And I think there's a negative way that it's being forced upon people, sort of like, hey, all you protesters out in the streets, you need to grow up and vote. Because this is and as if people who protest didn't vote, but that's beside the point. But I'm also thinking of it in what may be perhaps a healthier way of an awakening that says, I can only speak personally in this case, but as much as I bet I have been engaged in the political process over the years, it's been either it's red or it's blue, and I, I don't like that guy, I do like her, eh, you know, but either way, at the end of the day, we'll take care of ourselves and we'll just move forward, and my family will be fine. We're at the end of that age of being able to say, if my family is fine, then everything must be all right. Mm. That's where the awakening and the maturing seems to be coming in. You know, I think what's coming up for me, what I'm thinking about as I hear you say that is, and and this parallels back to growing up in a family where you trust your parents to do right by you, Mm. and you trust their ideologies and their visions for the world, and then you become an adult and you have to question who you are and what things mean to you and figure out if you trust the world on your own. And it sounds kind of like that's where we are politically in our country, where we've been kind of just trusting our parents, our government, to take care of us. 
And yeah, they might make some really bad mistakes or they might make some mistakes, but you know, we'll survive. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's just where we're at right now, where we're resisting the incoming administration because we don't necessarily trust. Right. Trust is the thing that um, we talked in our alternative facts episode about. We talked about, you know, how trust is something that you, you, it, it can't be built on made-up stories. It can't be built on turning off phone lines and not taking calls and then saying nobody's ever called. <laughs> but you know what's important to note and is that you just said trust can't be built on made-up stories. Mm-hmm. Well, at this, it, it depends on who's telling the stories. And who's listening. Right, but think about the fact that our resistance can be built on a fictional character invented by <laughs> George Lucas, but it can't be built by the press secretary spouting whatever he needs to in order to essentially provide the party line. So this brings us back again to the role of the storyteller, the power of story, when you use story to heal and connect and when you use it to divide. So how do you feel about resistance and Princess Leia as your as an avatar for that right now. How does that sit for you personally? She makes me feel good. Yeah. Yeah, I see I see her, that poster of her. Mm-hmm. And it puts a smile on my face. Yeah. You know, I think of her in her role and I think of the little things like may the force be with you. Mm. And I think the force needs to be with all of us. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm not taking sides on this. I think the force is something much greater and it's about survival and it's about this planet and it's about humanity and it's about the universe. It's much bigger than any of us. Yeah. And see, for me, it's a slightly more problematic concept. And I think that is because I have conflated resistance with being a naughty girl with, and the sense that, well, Princess Leia is holding a blaster right there. Is that presenting a symbol that I don't really feel comfortable with? Because as much as I like to talk about resistance, I'm not picking up any weapons. Wait, you're not a nasty woman? I mean, like naughty, nasty, this is all a part of it. Part of, part of the story is about claiming all sides of this. You can't just be a princess. Right. 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 And again, I think it's so fun to talk about the nasty women and get a, get a coffee mug with it. What does it mean in practice? Where are your own personal bits of resistance? What will you stand up for? What matters to you? What will you fight for? That's more important than being nice. Hmm. Niceties can only get you so far sometimes. You know, I mean, it's uncomfortable to see the duality and to have these different sides of yourself and to acknowledge them. It's a lot easier to not see the the nasty side. And you know what I'm thinking of right now? That it's, 
when you and I had the opportunity to go to a local march and my daughter came with us and she's seven. And of course, as a mom, I'm looking around thinking about what is she picking up on right now? Which messages are getting through? What parts are she, is she aware of? If she sees this pr- picture of Princess Leia, is she just like, oh, cool, that's Leia? Is she thinking about blasters? She's probably not reading that deep. But as a mom, I'm wondering how many conflicting ideas she's being presented with and which ones I can stand up for and describe to her. And I'm remembering the one moment that happened as we were walking to our car where you were talking to her and saying, do you see all these people that we just marched with? And you know that there are more people marching all around the world. And all of these people, when you're feeling sad, they all feel it with you and they'll all stand up with you. And then she asked you for some ice cream. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So as a mom, I'm probably not alone in this, I overthink what she's internalizing because she's seven and ice cream is important. But as a mom, right, we intimately know the mess of life. Right. Right. There is nothing about motherhood that is unmessy from birth, from pregnancy through birth, like literally it's messy to cleaning up poop and throw up and snot. Like, I mean, what, what about motherhood is unmessy? I was hanging out with my kids, um, and we were taking them for a snowboarding lesson this past week and we were on the bunny hill and my kids just had a lesson and they did fabulous And then I'm there and I'm trying to teach them a little bit and just hold space with them while they're practicing. And they just break down on me. And I feel like I'm such a freaking failure, Mm. right? Like this teacher who doesn't know them gets them to be attentive and perfect. and, And I'm the failure. No, I'm not the failure. I'm the mother. I hold the space for all of the mess. And for them to fall apart after they did so much great work in that lesson, maybe they were stressed out. Who else could they fall apart with? Yeah. Mom is that container. Mom holds those messes. Right. And, you know, I'm thinking about our work, our women's work right now. Women's work, we're the resistance, right? Mm. We're the containers. Right. We hold the messes. We know these messes intimately. And they're contradictory as all get out, right? Contradiction isn't always a bad thing. Contradiction is part of growth. Contradiction helps you see yourself. Like a mirror? I can have two different ideas about the same thing. Can you? All the time. Internal contradiction tends to really silence us. Well, that's where our own judgment comes in. That's where we create new storylines that say we're frauds and failures and... I can't be Leia if I'm not willing to be a little bit nasty, Mm -hmm. right? But then I miss out on all the good stuff Mm -hmm. of seeing her as an archetype that guides whatever work it might need, I need to do in a given day. So how do we start pulling this conversation all together? I think there's another word we need to put in front of resistance and that's the word nonviolent, right? Yeah, that, that carries with it the flavor, the archetype of John Lewis and Martin Luther King. And Gandhi and all of those great peacemakers. So many. 
who made civil disobedience change the world. And ultimately, that's what those marches were. We were carrying signs that may have had a woman with a blaster, but to my knowledge, no one there was carrying an actual weapon other than hearts on fire for changing the world. Never doubt that a small group of committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Margaret Mead. And John Lewis, the senator from Georgia, quoting Martin Luther King, who he knew quite well, you just gotta love the hell out of him. And on that note, for more great content, check out thepracticeofbeingseen.com and spread the word by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the podcast. Music written and performed by Christopher Ferris and produced at Kidneystone Studio.